0: Why hello there? I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad a Harley Quinn cast. Three,
1: two, one.
0: Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy
1: show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Cut up the battle nuts. I definitely do not fuck. In need of an adult sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Hmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love,
0: the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there, or not. That's really up to all of you, fuckers. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madpup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three,
1: two, one.
0: Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making
1: bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, there. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up the battle nuts. I definitely do not fuck that In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers.
0: Mmm! Educational and informative. The
1: DC Comics News Podcast Network presents, Mad Love, the Harley
0: Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you, fuckers. This week, Comics in Motion has an excellent offer exclusively for our listeners, TKO Comics is revolutionizing the comic industry. They have creator-owned series from heavy hitters like Garth Ennis, Jeff Lemire, Joshua Desart, Roxanne Gay, and many more. If you go to tkopresents.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the code motion20 at checkout, you'll receive a 20% discount exclusively for Comics and Motion listeners. That's tkopresents.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the promo code motion20. Happy reading. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Indie Comics Talk, the show where we spend time looking at an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the Big Two. The hope here is we can do a deep dive in an indie comic you've missed or give you a chance to talk about one of your favorites with us on social media afterwards. I'm your host, Tony Farina of DC Comics News and fantastic universes. But I've been reading comics since I was 12, and while I love a good superhero battle, I gravitate towards indie comics and standalone graphic novels, because they give artists a chance to connect with readers and tell stories in different ways that they may not have been able to tell with traditional comics or traditional novels. So my guest this week, who selected our choice of the week, is the ubiquitous voice of DC Comics News and Harley Quinn podcast writer extraordinaire, Ms. Hendrick. Kendra Hale. I almost said your name wrong. I was said Hendra Kale. I'm leaving that in because I'm a doofus. I got all the way through that, so I'm leaving that in. Kendra Hale. Kendra.
1: <laughs> if you were a health food, what would you be? Kale.
0: <laughs> Kale. You would be Hendra Kale. Yes. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks glad for being to be here. here. You are, I think you're it. I think I've had everybody else, not from the DCN podcast network your husband i've not had him on
1: uh ed technically does not work for he comes DCN in or he DCN. pops in though yes uh he popped into the scott mcdaniel because scott mcdaniel came on uh at, to the interview as a, as a, f- a friend of mine and oh, okay
0: so that's why ed was not okay all right yeah. well then i'm fine forget about it. he's not coming on we nah. don't need him on here now nah. i'm so the, guys, piece I, of the puzzle that's right i think you are the last piece of the puzzle because uh I had Brad on a couple weeks ago and so now here you are. Thank you, this is so exciting. Um, so before we get started and talk about Beast of Burden and why you picked it and what we'll do with that, tell everybody kind of your comic book origin story. When did you start reading comics? What do you gravitate towards? Um, this book that we're gonna do is a little bit of everything. And so it's, it's, hard. it's the like most unclassifiable comic probably. It really is. Thing. Yeah, um, it won 10 Eisner Awards, so it's not like it's, you know, people know right, it's, it's, good, it's good, but people, you know, it's like, what kind of book is it? Because uh, you can't just be like talking animals, you know, and we'll get into that. So, um, but how did you get to comics? Talk about what you do at DCN, um, you know, and just your whole kind of comic stuff. I will shut up. All right.
1: Um, I mean, when it comes to comics, I started with chaos way, way back in the day. My very first comics that I read um, were Lady Death and Evil Ernie. So I had a very interesting start compared to most of my comics. Yeah, that's not
0: where most people begin. Most people are like, I picked up a Batman. They're like, right? no! Ah.
1: <laughs> I did not pick up a Batman comic until my late teens, 20s. I didn't come into the DC or Marvel game um, until Kingdom Come. Wow. That was what a my great place first to start.
0: Movie. Wow!
1: And when it came to Marvel, my very first Marvel comic that I read was a toss-up because I read both of them at the same time. It was Marvels and
0: uh, Civil War. Wow! So you didn't goof around. Like, no, I'm going in, I'm going in strong.
1: Right? If I'm coming yeah. in there. I'm coming with a That's bang. Right. But I mean, those were my first ones, and honestly, I kept reading everything I could get my hands on, everything um, until until New 52 and New 52 struck a really wrong chord with me as it did with quite a number of, of comic fans. I'm in the minority on
0: that, I know. I actually enjoyed it. Court of Owls was genius and- um, Well, let me no. let me tell you why. Mine okay, is, please.
1: Mine is, has nothing to do with Batman, has nothing to do with Aquaman. Mine has everything to do with Wonder Woman. Sure, so okay. So I, I made the mistake of picking up New 52 and I got to the line where wonder woman asks what ice cream is and it sent me back <laughs> a long way i was like no diana hasn't been here for forever no like it was wholly disrespectful for me as a comic fan especially as a wonder woman fan sure and it was just one of those things where i was like i could understand like with with you with court of Bowels, i could understand storylines that made the characters better but this one wasn't one and it That's was fair. totally disrespectful so i stopped reading dc and marvel for a while and moved on to indie books or um, ones that weren't as popular like dark horse like uh, hellboy and league of extraordinary gentlemen and fell in love with those and it wasn't until just recently with me coming on to dark night news that I got back on board with reviewing mainstay comics. I came on as Harley. Nice. <laughs> and finished off the this, this series that just ended with 75 from Sam Humphreys and his art team and basically devoured anything that's come out recently with Harley. I mean, I was the one who did uh, our reviews for Harleen and for old lady Harley. And then uh, they, they started doing the mad love podcast and they were like, Hey, J. Ray, yeah, you old, need to be on there. Yeah, for sure. He was like, hey, this is Harley, the animated series. You want to do it? And I was like, well, I'm already doing the reviews for it. Might as well. Yeah. So I jumped on, and that's how I met Kelly and Brad and Seth. And we've basically been a team since then. I mean, I've gotten to come on and do the DCN News podcast. And it's just a different experience talking with people who enjoy comics as much as you do. Yeah, and who so are nerdy with them? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and that Mad Love, which there will be, people will have already heard it. The promo for Mad Love before this, the promo tells everybody everything they need to know about how that show goes. That is a wonderful show. Yeah, yeah, that's bananas. You guys really pay homage to, to the show. I think yeah. um, the Harley Quinn show, and I'll be honest, I haven't finished it. I'm finished the second. It's no spoilers. It. Yeah, yeah. So, right. So yeah. I don't. Right, so if you guys are reviewing one that I haven't watched yet, I don't listen because yeah, but that's and that's the way it should be because what you guys do is definitely a companion. It isn't, right. it isn't, um, you know, it isn't there to like entice people. It's like we're going to talk about it. So, right,
1: and we're really pretty good. We're really, really good about if we're on a specific episode, say we're on season two, episode two. We're not going to talk to you about what's going to happen. Next. three episodes ahead yeah even so though we can, we've seen them we're not going to ruin that for anyone we stay really really well close to the episode that we're on
0: yeah i think that's important you can call back to something that happened previously and that that makes and that's just a better listening experience and it's just a lot of fun and you guys are clearly having fun yeah doing that and and it's a good team that that uh damien and josh and matt have put together over at dcn and steve-o at Darknet news so we've got a really excellent group of guys over there who've put together a pretty cool bunch of people. Yes, they did. I mean, I'm really thankful, you know, um, I just, it was random. I read Dark Knight or I read DC Conics News, and um, this was like four or five years ago, and the banner came up, you know, it's like, we're hiring, and I just clicked on it, and that's how I came on board, and um, Roy was on the team then, and so um, I went back and forth with Damien and Roy, and I got brought in, and then I took a year off uh, just because I was moving and stuff. But I, you know, stayed kind of abreast of the things. And then when I was all settled again, I asked Josh if I could come back. So, so I've been on and off for about five years. Um, how long has it been since you, when did you join Dark Knight News? Was it just when oh, Harley Quinn started?
1: Gosh, no. Um, it was, it'll be, I think I'm at two years for them now too.
0: Nice. Because I That's started awesome.
1: Dark Knight News right when I started Hopewell. <laughs> nice. So, and I've gotten to do I've gotten to do a bunch of random reviews, but the only one like because you know how it is, we all have our mainstay comics that we do that are ongoing. Yeah. But for a while there, I wasn't doing reviews for Mainstay. I was doing just the little six-episode arcs or. Uh, the I love the miniseries.
0: Course. I actually, yeah. I'm a f- that. Um, and again, I know we're going to talk about indie comics, but since we're talking about Harley, I, I thought personally. Jody Houser and Adriana Mello's Harley and Ivy six-issue mini yes. was special. That was spectacular. And I Great. feel like in the future, in the history of the universe, no one should draw a Poison Ivy but Adriana Mello. I loved yes. her Poison Like It was like, I'm watching that. That was so good. That was such a good, that was a really good run. I got to review that one over at this. Is nice. A, that was a good book, yeah.
1: That was one of the only Harleys, that and Breaking Glass were the only two Harley books that came out that I wasn't able to do. And that's because we have another Harley fan. Yes. Who said yes first. That happens. (laughs) I wasn't quick enough. (laughs) But you read them.
0: I got to, I did. I did. did, Yeah, I did Breaking Glass only because I got it not through DCN, but through NetGalley. Like they'll they'll put those. So I got it early, early, early. So I had already had it when Josh put it up. I was like, oh, I've already actually read it steve pube who i think is a genius artist you know he does always billionaire Island, and he did the uh, flintstones with mark russell nice. yeah, he's a great artist that was a good book too so that's cool so so here you are now and so what besides the dc stuff what are the current and well beast of burden is sort of current it, it like it's not uh, the really last
1: cur- the latest one was 2019 and there's still yeah. there's still word down the pipeline that there's more coming because the third volume leads us off with <laughs> more needs to happen
0: but right yeah so I wonder um besides that and right that's the thing with with indie comics as we were talking a little bit off there you know it's like hit and miss you're like oh sometimes they're out this month and sometimes they're not out this month or they're a week off or whatever so what besides the uh besides this what other indie books do you read pretty consistently or are you interested in at all right now How, um
1: if we're just talking as indies and not the big two, I'm currently yeah. shacking up with IDW. Oh. Um,
0: they've got a lot You're of shacking I, up. They moved in. I and am. I'm shacking That's up with it. it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I
1: saw that they had a lot of horror comics coming out and I was they just do. like, okay, where did y'all come from? Because they've got, they've got the one with Stephen King and Owen King, the sleeping beauties adaptation, which of mm-hmm. course I was like, I have the book. I haven't read the book. Oh my God. I got to read the book now. Um, they've got that one. They're going super dark mixing the comics and the TV series of Nancy Drew. So I'm reading the Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys series over there. And uh, I mean, there's just so much. It's so it's such a good time to be a comic fan.
0: It, it, it is. I was just going to say those exact words. It is. IDW is really killing it. They've got the Turtles now. Yes, they do. Uh, their Turtles is really good. That, that's a totally... And Damien and I talked Turtles, like, on an early episode of this. And, um, uh, and I had Sam Latvia and he does the covers right. for IDW and um, for the IDW Turtles. And, and I think they're really killing it, because I love that they – because Eastman came in, right, and they totally just said, we're going to reimagine, we're going to redo, we're going to do a new origin. That old Mirage stuff is going to be like Legends, and we're going to redo the canon with one of the original creators. And I think – they brought it into the current place and I think it, yeah. it has that dark edge that the original turtles had, but it still has some of that kind of fun, lovable turtle, like pop culture turtle stuff. So I think that's a good book over 1992
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean the comic book companies that have that have started like touching into the nostalgia, um, like DC recently did one with Archie and it was not the darker version of, of Archie that we've seen in Riverdale. Yeah. It was 66 Archie. I mean, it was it was great. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I love that they're doing that because there are great stories that are back there. And I see that they're doing it with not only with passion, but they're doing it while still staying true to what they're doing. Yeah. To what I the main story
0: was. Yeah. I, I, think, I do too. I think that's really smart. So, yeah, you're definitely right. It is a great time to, to be a nerd. And, you know, there's, there's some, I know Dynamite has kind of done some dumb stuff over there. Um, of I haven't late. looked
1: at Dynamite yet, but no, no, I, like I know I need Dynamite to. as
0: comics, they they have some really excellent comics over there. But they were with got mixed up with Comics Gate and all that Ooh. stuff, and so yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like hard to read Dynamite right now. But there's some really good um, Dynamite stuff. Yeah, there's honestly, and then TKO Studios, um, they're doing all now. Those, them I've heard about having good stuff. They're amazing. Yeah, the show that comes out um, the day after we're recording this, I interviewed Joshua Dysart. Um, nice. to talk about his Good Night Paradise that's over there. And yeah, Garth Ennis has a book over there. Jeff Lemire, Zeeshan, Roxanne Gay. Ooh, Jeff
1: Lemire. You already gave me my my reason to go look. Yeah, it's called "Sunny." They oh. binge.
0: So the cool thing, TKO, they just like put the whole series out. So it's like the Netflix of comics. No waiting. Uh-huh. Don't. Uh-huh. There you go. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway, excellent. So that's where you are. Everybody can hear When I told Dave from Comics in Motion, the TV, the flagship show that i was getting ready to talk to you he's like oh she knows her stuff because he listens to the dcn shows and he's like so he's excited i'm excited i'm just thrilled you're here so um got a fan base already before we even Aww. start talking about this yeah so i'm
1: not crying yeah. <laughs> so here's
0: what here's the book the book is called the beasts of burden it came out originally in 2003 as kind of a one-shot as part of the dark horse horror comics that they were doing and then they did four one-shots that is the first um, collection. And yep. um, and then it kind of kind of sort of became a regular, and the interesting thing about Beast of is some is it almost reads like comic strips instead of comic yep. books, like some are shorter than others. Um, it was written by Evan Dorkin, and he was smart enough. They asked him to draw it, and he said, I don't draw pets. So he made the brilliant choice to rope in Jill Thompson, who is like, well, everybody, she's, the delirium that you all know and love from The Endless, that's the Jill Thompson delirium. Like if you're like, if in your mind you're like, man, I really love delirium, it's the one that Jill drew. That's the one you love the best. Um, She is, she is just special. Um, We'll talk about that and what she does. She actually is the one who convinced Evan to write, create pugs for this book. So that was great. That was much needed. He's the Xander. And um teams don't work without a Xander, in my opinion. You can't, you have to have one. So anyway, so the book is they take they, it takes place in Burden Hill is the name of the place. And it's these pets. There's there's mostly dogs and there's one cat. The cat is orphan is my favorite character, and we'll talk about that. Aww. Um I, yeah. I'm a i am and um so but it's it's like as I mentioned, um Xander already, it's very Buffy-esque. There's like a soup, there's supernatural things. It's almost like Burton Hill is a hellmouth and the only creatures, and like you see newspaper clippings throughout the series where they're they're showing terrible things are happening, but the only people who, people, air quotes, who seem to know what's going on is this group of dogs with one cat. And well, there's another cat that comes in later, the witch cat, um, Dimferia. but um, mostly it's the five dogs and the cat. So, this is Beast of Burden, and I know, like I said, it's kind of hard to describe, and please don't hit stop, as I just described, you like, this is a talking dog book. It's not, this is not Marmaduke, everybody.
1: Yeah, no, this is definitely not Marmaduke. So how
0: did you find this?
1: So I was doing the reviews for Joker Killer Smile, and oh, okay. I started to go from wanting the digital copies to wanting physical especially of the black label because they put so much effort into those books that if you don't get them it's almost it's it's not a waste because you still get the story but it's just a different experience holding those books but my local comic shops didn't have it (laughs) so i had to go all the way out to muncie to a place called bob's comic castle and he held a copy for me and when i went in there i was like you know what i came all this way what do you have what do you have that doesn't come off the shelves what do you recommend and this was animal rights was um the first one that he recommended to me and i read it and i was like holy shit and i apologize if this is no, a no no this show. is a swear away no 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 but it was it was an absolutely holy shit moment i was like where was i when this came out like this yeah. is incredibly up my alley and I mean, if you are fans of the horror genre or if you're fans of the gothic or if you're fans of, you know, like you said, Buffy or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I mean, this is incredibly like right in your home spot. It hits you and it hits you hard. I mean, and that was how I found this one. And after that, after I did the first review for it for uh, Fan You, which is something done by Steve J. Ray, El Stevo Yes. Um, I talked to Evan and I was like, I need more. And he's like, well, you know, there is more. And I was like, really? So I found them and I, I got all of them.
0: You talked to Evan Dorkin? You like interviewed yes. him? Yeah, nice, nice.
1: He saw the review and he was like, did you like it? And I was like, yes. yes
0: that's I awesome. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, was Steve, I get to, I, I, I pop into Fantastic You too. And, you know, that's the thing about Steve. He's like, when you got something, bring it. And, and um, right. he's so supportive. Yeah. And a lot of the people get, uh, read it he's got a pretty huge fan base there it's pretty awesome
1: but i mean that was the thing i mean that and seeing that evan dorkin actually cared about what i thought about his yeah. book i was just like okay you know what <laughs> that's awesome her. i'll read anything that you write
0: yeah <laughs> just bring nice. it. well that's cool so bob's what's it called bob we'll bob's give bob Comic a Comics castle play. bob's comics castle in muncie indiana Everybody should give Bob some love because he's the reason that we're here today talking about Beast of Burden and not something else. He is. So, um, so what I find fascinating about this book is that they, that he made the choice to have his characters be animals and not people. So we have we're just going to jump right into there as to what the rationale for that is in your mind. I have theories. You've spoken to Evan, so maybe you actually have some first-hand knowledge, and then my theories will be shitty. So um, I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be like, that's totally what I thought. No. <laughs> why animals I not I wish I had insider
1: knowledge, but I, I really don't know why he chose animals. I mean, I'm, I'll be the first to say that I'm grateful that he did, because I don't think that this story would some of these stories that are in the collection would have hit nearly as hard if they were humans because but because they're animals they get that much harder.
0: <laughs> in what way? Like because of, like when they lose one? Because there's a lot of yes. like there's there's a lot of casualties. There's some uh uh red shirts in here. There's they some, are there's
1: definitely red shirts.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of that happening. So I was like, "Oh, there's some cats that aren't going to make it. That's not that's not orphans." So But I mean there's
1: there's two st- we we told when we me and you started talking about yeah. this we said we we're going to do both animal rights and uh what's the second one? Neighborhood we watch. watch neighborhood watch each of these has a story in it that he evan worked with with his wife sarah sarah dyer and in animal rights since we're already here yeah a dog go. and his boy is the one that she co-wrote that was and so you can good. tell <laughs> you can tell when they're ones that she's put her hand on yeah because they are devastating they are so sad and the dog and his boy, I actually had to stop. I paused. I put the book down. I walked away. I was like, I am crying over a comic. What is wrong with me? I was like, these are not real characters. But it doesn't matter. You can't, you can't differentiate. You get so invested in what's happening to this gang that when something sad happens, it hurts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not everybody. I mean, there are definitely red shirts. But, either, but because of that, because and because of what happens in that one and what happens with Ace Two Ace, yeah, um, in that Ace one, is my favorite. Ace is your favorite, okay, and we'll definitely talk about that too as we go. Like why, why, why Orphan's mine and why Ace is yours? But um, I think, I think what what they did with that one in particular, and even right from the very first one, not everybody lives to the end. There's lots of blood. It's pretty dark, um, and and I think. I think my theory about why they picked animals over people is to avoid it being Scooby Doo. Yeah. That that and it's and it's not that the dog and his boy is like a reverse Scooby Doo, but a little, because it's so darker. It's not funny at all, you know. Oh. But it's like there's this group of the animals who who goes under the radar. I think I think the reason that it has to be animals is because there's this argument that. And, and people who own pets know this. Animals can sense things, right? There's a reason that animals can can you know, our dogs are trained to sniff bombs, or they can be trained to even sniff diseases in people. Yeah. And there's you know, if if somebody's a giant asshole, a dog is going to know before you do. And there's just something about like dogs have these extra senses, and so because this is a book about paranormal happenings, werewolves are real, and there's ghosts and there's witches, literally. There's a there's a. And the there's vampires. A, and vampires, and all kinds, and Hellboy. Um, I love that they put it in the Hellboy universe. Uh, That was great when I opened that one. It's like, man, that's genius. Of course. And they brought in Mike Magnolia
1: to to help it.
0: I was like, what? It was really smart. It was really smart. And and, and that's the point is that in the Hellboy universe, Hellboy works because he's Hellboy. And there's people in the Hellboy universe, but like it's Hellboy, it's Abe, it's the rest of that universe where they're not humans. And so I think, it, it lends, and it sounds stupid, but it lends credibility to a paranormal universe that humans don't acknowledge it and that only animals do, because of course humans don't acknowledge things that's right in front of them. And it takes right. the animals who are sensitive, who are, who are more grounded in nature, who literally live outside and use their other senses um, to recognize when things are, wait, they're not they're going, animals are going to accept it at face value and be like, that guy's evil. That guy's okay. This is bad. This is good. Where humans are always trying to justify everything. That's my theory is that the animals just are going to get to the heart of the matter And they're, they're going to be like, yep, there's witches. We're not going to say there's no such thing as witches. We're like, yep, of course there are.
1: Well, and you do get, you do get a couple instances where there are humans that do acknowledge it and we get to see it. It's like a supernatural, Homage almost, yeah. because you have humans that not only can understand the dogs, but are on the side of good, and who understand right. where they're coming from, what the wise dogs are. They know what their lineage is, and they know about the companions. And then you also have the supernatural hunters, but then you got the bad guys because you've got the witches and the warlocks and the satanists, and it's just like holy crap.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of bad people and a lot of good animals, and I think. I feel like that's part of Evans' commentary too. There's a scene, and I know we're just kind of all over the place. But there's a scene in Animal, no, in Neighborhood Watch, with, where Ace and Orphan are leading a monster away from town. Again, there's you know they're saving the town again, and Ace is running, and of course he's faster than Orphan, and he jumps over a fence and he lands, and it's like a really great close up. And this might have actually been one that was not. I think that one was Jill. There's a there's another artist who's working on it now. Um, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, Brad,
0: what is something his the W, yeah, that's- Brad that's Dewey. Hi- Dewey, Brad Dewey, yeah. So it might've been one of Brad's, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but there's, cause there's this zoom in where Ace jumps over the fence, and it's like in nature, like he's out in the woods and it's this old fence. Benjamin. And there was like, he jumps and he lands on a broken bottle. Yep. And the comment there, to me, I'm like, okay, I see what's happening here. Like, humans, again, are screwing everything up. Like, this dog is going to get away. He's trying to save them, but he's almost undone by the carelessness of humanity, leaving shit laying around in the woods, and that there's a broken bottle. And you can see in that scene, like, it's a close-up of Ace landing on the bottle, and then it pulls back, and there's garbage and trash all around. Yeah. Um, And I think that's one of the cool things that happens in the background of this book, is the way that humans treat the world and the way that animals treat the world is in the front ground. Like, yeah. Does that make sense? Am I rampant? Does that make sense? No, what you're I'm fine. Saying? I yeah. fully yeah. agree. I
1: have yeah. a really good example of that to, to, to follow up on that one is there's a story because these, the thing, the best way I can think of to explain these books is if you were ever a fan of The Crypt Keeper or Tales from oh, the Crypt. Oh,
0: nice. That's an excellent. This is course. like those
1: where you have individual stories, but they're all about the same characters. And one of them that hit me in the first one was a a story called Lost, and it's where the gang first starts becoming junior associates in the Wise Dog um, Society, and all of the animals start coming and asking them for help, you know, with with Supernatural. Not all of them are Supernatural. Right. Like, seeing seeing the the great dog in in a bowl of dog food. That was a great, (laughs) great moment. But finally they get their their first real lead and it's this mother pup or this mother dog who's looking for her puppies because they've just disappeared out of her front yard and they've been looking for them and you watch as the gang go and find something called the devil's well which is basically where this one child this human child has been so evil as to take out neighborhood cats and animals and puppies and just thrown them in there horribly like this is a twisted individual
0: yeah yeah monstrous
1: and they release the ghosts trying to find this mother dog's puppies and they find them and it's heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking and the ghosts take over three of the dogs who are outside of the circle and those dogs go and they they chew that kid to pieces and i felt no sorry no shame no nothing i was yelling yes (laughs)
0: you're like kill that bastard
1: yes because i was like you know what if you were willing to do that to animals you deserve anything the animals are willing to do to you yeah and i mean you see them as they they walk off now that the ghosts are satisfied and they've left them that they're just kind of like holy crap what do we just do ace has blood all over it
0: Well that was the thing that in that one um in particular I remember reading that one because it is startling because you're, you're always on the side of the team. And even in the boy and his dog one um, there's that one gets bloody and, and ace gets, you know, gets, ace, ace takes gets it hurt, on. And
1: I was like, ace, fuck you, Evan.
0: Yeah. Ace takes it on the chin a lot, boy. He is definitely here, he but does. it's not just ace. I think whitey gets all bloody in that one too. Doesn't he? I'm trying to try. To uh, I
1: think that it's for, for loss specifically, I think that it's ace. Rex and the mother. Her name is
0: Hazel. Yep, yeah, it is. It's Ace Rex and the mother. You're right. I've got the picture right there. Yep, and the I love Rex, Rex too. The Doberman.
1: Yes. I yeah. love Rex. I love all of the characters in this one. And it's because him and Jill do a su- did such a great job of not only creating them, but giving each one not only a specific individual personality, because once you know who Pugs is, you know personality. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, you, you get to see their home lives. You get to see life through their eyes, and it gets really difficult to separate yourself once you get into these. Jill does an amazing job, and I don't think that the books would have done as well without her artwork.
0: Well, she won most of those Eisners, by the way. About the 10 they won, I think Jill won six of, six of them.
1: It, it wouldn't won for, surprise me. I mean, they're I think, gorgeously rendered.
0: Yeah, I think she won for cover. She won for interiors. I know they won together for like Best Short Story. I can, I'll have to pull, pull it up. But she's, yeah, Jill, Jill Thompson, everybody, if you've not read this book yet, um, there'll be links hey, obviously. To, it's, it's watercolors. Um, and that's what Jill Thompson does. That's why her delirium is so good, is that she, um, she draws, she paints, she, she does it, but she also does it in watercolors herself. Like that's how she designs right. things. And in the back of the digital editions, there's and I don't I don't own the physical editions too. I only yes. have to do it. There's sketches of her doing sketches in watercolor. Like sure, you're that good, you can sketch in watercolor. Like I couldn't right? do anything finished in watercolor. And you're just goofing around. Um, no, I think you're right. I think that that Jill Thompson's ability to the watercolors soften them that because it, it it's what creates it as an ungenreable book because they are they're animals so you're like oh they're cute little blood like especially pugs and orphan and, and um whitey is a is a is a terrier whitey is yep. jack Russell terrier and jack is a beagle and um
1: jack is adorable and they are
0: right and that's the thing and she draws them in such a way so that when the contrast happens then when it gets bloody then when you shit goes it. sideways it's bys, right because and it it is such a stark comparison and I think what the commentary there as so I'm a I'm one of the weird vegetarians who doesn't care for pets like I don't have pets I don't want animals in my house at all I don't want them in my fridge I don't want them on my couch I don't want them on my counter I like them outside I like to look outside and look at animals there's an osprey who lives on the roof of my building and (laughs) I love to watch him fly around and um, you know that's cool every day I can just watch an osprey today he like flew too close to my head for my opinion. Normally he's like way up there, <laughs> but it's kind of like, all right, dude, you could kill me. Why don't you go a little higher? You know, we're friends. Um, that was, I mean, literally, like I could see his whole underbelly as he <laughs> flew over the, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty frightening. But, um, but that's the point of, of that even dogs, even Pug, even Jack and Whitey and Rex, they're killers. They could kill you. They're, they're vicious animals and I think what they should, what what Evan and Jill do, in those moments when they have to become vicious killers, they're willing to do it. Yep. and and that's the, like that line that especially in Lost, because that kid is such a monster, and is is he like you said? You're rooting for it. You're like fuck you, yeah, get him, yeah. Get em. Um, and it's really? it's like, but it's kind of reaping what you sow, right? That normally these animals are like family pets and they're pretty cool and they're pretty chill right
1: and you get to see that you get to see that throughout the books i mean the other story that we talked about the boy and his dog you get to see the loyalty that they have i mean it's not just one end of the spectrum or the other these guys cover every bit of of possibility on what a dog could portray and it's amazing to watch. it reminds me of pixar and how how detailed research they have to go into before they do movies like like Finding Nemo or, you know, where they sit there for hours and hours and just watch how fish react and how, how they move. It's an amazing thing to see that in a comic book genre.
0: Yeah. And what I think in, about A Dog and His Boy, about that one. So for, I'm going to spoil it a little for everybody. I mean, in that one, there's a, bo- there's a boy who ends up in Ace's doghouse and he's like a homeless boy. And he's, he's got tattoos. He's Native, Native American, it looks like. Um, and yeah. he, he's got um, tattoos, like tribal tattoos, but he's also got um, other kind of witchcrafty tattoos on him. And he's like naked and cold and it's winter. And um, he and, he and um, Ace just become best friends and like Ace kind of takes him in and cares for him. And they really bond and it's really, and the rest of the gang loves him. And then there's a moment when the big turn happens and I'll leave that sort of as a surprise for people. But when the big turn happens, the way that it's done is it's in blue. It's not in black and white, but the whole panel's in blue because it's at night. And the boy is doing something shocking. And then there's a cut, there's a panel in panel of the gang seeing him do it. And yep. it's like the look on their face, this is like where Thompson is just showing off. Yeah. Because the looks on their faces, again, she's making these animals, which we think of some people do as like just dumb, soulless creatures. But she shows this genuine, like if you, if you were to just put that picture there, not see the outlay, but just see the inlay picture of the five faces, six faces, um, you would know exactly what's going on in the other picture. You'd be like, what are these five, six creatures looking at? And you'd be like, "Oh, something terrible and frightening. And yeah. it's so good the way that the eyes are done. And, and what makes it even better is that Ace in that one, he's at the top corner, it's not just shock on his face. You can see it's like terror because this is his boy. He's decided to love a boy and now he sees what's happening. It's so freaking good. And it um, yeah, it, it, and to me that says everything about what this series is doing is, is, is it's, it's proving to us that animals are more than just, you know, fodder for you to throw down a well, for example. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, other things, yeah.
1: I mean for me I've done animal rescue for 10 years and I have an entire zoo in my house yeah. I have three yeah. dogs three cats so I've got my own little zoo and <laughs> I mean I don't even think that honestly you have to be an animal person for these stories to touch you and I mean yes it, it hits a little bit different if you if you do associate further with animals but I mean, one of the things that drew me so hardcore into this series where I knew they weren't going to let me go was both Evan and Jill talked about how they would openly cry when either writing or drawing, you know, doing the art for this book. And for, for an artist to admit that means quite a bit. I mean, that means that you're emotionally invested in what you're doing, which means that there's a higher level of passion and dedication to the craft that you're, you're doing, your, your craft of your storytelling. And it made me feel unashamed of crying. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> be these ashamed. are hard.
0: Yeah, I don't think you should. I don't think you should feel that way because I think that they—they um, they definitely, um, right. They're showing you true emotions. They're showing you, um, like, again, in that one, the the dog and His boy. That is, I mean, I think, you know, the Hellboy one is really good, but that's the most yes. fun because it's Hellboy. You know, it's just like silly and fun it, it, but the interesting thing is it does move the plot along of both a Hellboy right. comic and in this comic. Like, um, it, it is an interesting overlay of the two universes, but it isn't enough that if you've never read a Hellboy comic, you'd read this and be like, that guy's cool. And if yeah. they showed up, you know, and, and but it's enough. And if you do know who Hellboy is, you're like, oh, of course that's why he does what he does. And that makes sense. Um, I reached but, out to
1: Evan when I started it because I was like, you got Hellboy? And he was like, keep
0: reading. It's amazing. It's, uh, it's such a good... But even... So that one's really fun. But, but what he does really well as a writer, and I would like to talk about this, is because, like you said, we talked about the crime, but there are really good moments of humor and levity in here, too, yeah. which, again, some of them are a little, like, dad puns. Um, yes. But so, which is fine, which is totally fine, because these are dogs who live with humans, and so they emulate them in some way, so not every joke is good. But I appreciate that the jokes happen, and that um, Evan, I think, as a writer, knows uh, how to, his timing is good. What do you think?
1: I think he just wanted a reason to say, go hump yourself. <laughs> <I> mean,
0: <laughs> so that was always like, listen, I'm going to write this whole book so I can say that once.
1: <laughs> I mean, but he, he, he does. And, and you're right. He has a way of, of making sure that not only when, when we have the heavy scenes that those are there, but there's also really good signs of levity, so that, that way it doesn't feel like it's just crushing depression after depression after depression. I mean, because yeah. that's something that you see through these. I mean, you not only get you not only get hilarity, you get you get the the anger, you get the sadness, you get the the moments of joy when they actually do get a win day. But he did, he does a really really good job of relaying to you emotion without necessarily having to see it but seeing jill's artwork reflecting those emotions that these animals have it just boosts it up to 10.
0: yeah no i i totally agree and i think i think what you just said is exactly right and that's why that hellboy one works so well because that is such because it's hellboy so of yeah. course it's going to be a little more lighthearted. i love that hell- they
1: start out in lancaster pennsylvania yeah. with the amish
0: yeah i was that's like what it how is.
1: random can you get
0: yeah it's totally weird, right? So, but what happens is, is that, yeah, Hellboy's kept helping the Abish banish vampires. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. And so, but what I love is because you know, if you, if you know Hellboy or even if you, you know, Hellboy is such a, he deals with dark issues, but he's always cracking jokes. He's his own comic relief. And so you knew seeing Hellboy it was going to be funny. But then what they did with that one is they cut it with serious stuff. So in the midst of, like, there's moments, there's some great visual jokes in the Hellboy one when he puts pugs in his pocket. Yeah. I thought that was just, cause I'm like, okay, that, is that gonna be like a Tom and Jerry episode where the next panel he's gonna be gone? But no, they wrote that joke all the way to the end. And it is really funny. So like, it's a funny, funny, laugh out loud, funny. And then they cut it with some serious, you know, Serious stuff that the that the beasts of burden are normally dealing with. So I thought that was also the other way. As Evan and Evan was saying, like, look, I can do whatever. And yes, he brought back Magnolia in to to make sure Hellboy sounded like Hellboy. But he also made sure that he had enough of his own story in there. This well balanced um, emotional drama that has jokes. So you know, because right. you know, no matter what it is, there's always like if you watch a drama, a TV show there's always going to be some episodes that are funny. And if you watch a really funny TV show, there's always like a very special episode and it's usually not balanced. It's like all or nothing. And I just think um, Evan is such a good writer that he's, he's found a way to make sure we always have enough of both. There's never not one of these books, even the hardest one. And it's because of pugs, right? Don't you think? That we are always going to have a joke ready to go.
1: Either that or we're gonna, I mean, Pug's not only, he's such a good character. I mean, there are times where I find him annoying, but he is a good character, because not only is he the one to be like, okay, let's step back and be logical about this. Did anybody think about this before we just decided to do it? He's that character mixed with some sarcasm.
0: He's us. He's yeah. us. Yeah, he's our avatar. And I feel like, which is weird to say that a dog, like there's not a person to be our avatar that Pug, and I wonder if it's because it was Jill's edition that Evan decided to keep Pugs as the outsider. So when he originally created this, Pugs wasn't in it. And she convinced Evan to put Pugs in it. And so maybe that's why he's kind of stays the, the avatar for the audience. He's like, he's cracking right. jokes at the silliness of us, but right, he's also like, wait, is that- well, and
1: it wasn't, you know how in TV shows you have this character that you don't necessarily like, and it's probably because you're not able to relate with them on any level until they get to the episode where you find out more about that character mm-hmm. and who they are. Because during Animal Rights, you really didn't get much about pugs other than the fact that he's a smart ass little pug. Right. Um, and in this very first, the very first story with Hellboy, you actually get to know more about pugs. Yeah. You find out that you know because he's he's always the one to give the other dogs absolute grief. He he finally gets some back from Rex because Rex has had enough, and he's like, you know what? You're the reason why I can see the reason why your owner's got a new puppy, and just like throw it out.
0: <laughs> that Rex. was such a funny.
1: Like laugh. you know what?
0: I'm I am laugh again. Dog, yeah. But,
1: <laughs> but you get to find out that that's why pugs might be you know. A little bit more annoying lately is because he's having to deal with this th- the fact that his owners have got a new puppy and he's not getting any attention at home. Right. Because throughout all of this, I'm going to pull a Kelly Gaines here real quick. Go. Throughout all of this, you're wondering why these owners don't know where the hell their damn dogs
0: are. I agree. I'm with you. I wonder that. So that's my list. But that's it. That's my list of questions. So why why is that? What do you think that's about?
1: I would think that it's almost like what happens in It, where the adults don't ever know what's going on with the kids unless they've they've held on to some moment of their, their childhood. And they, they just look the other way. Because, I mean, in the beginning of It, you get to see the woman looking in the street at Georgie. She knows what's going on. They know mm-hmm. what's happening in their town. They just ignore it. And I think it's the same thing here in Burden Hill. The adults... They know that something's off because the sheriff in this 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 trade calls out for supernatural hunters to come in and be like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. So they know that something's off, but they're just not. There's always something that's that's taking their attention. And the only time that you ever, the only owner you ever actually see, is Rex. Rex's owner, and it's because he's always drunk. Right. And I would think that if if something is is holding on to the minds of the owners. The only way to beat that would be to be inebriated. So of course Rex's owner knows when he's not there.
0: Right. That's my Just, theory. No, I love it. That's genius. I think that's super smart because, right? I what what you're saying, you know, opens my mind up to a whole other level of because the newspapers clippings that we see in this are always like, you know, what's going on? There's this thing right. weird shit happening. But what what I think about is you know, the, willing, like the um, willful ignorance of the, of the people in Burden Hill. But What you're suggesting is they're all in on it and they're, it's not willful ignorance, it's willful silence. Is that what yeah. you're saying? That's smart, that's genius. That you're saying the humans in Burden Hill 100% know what's going on, but they, they are just willfully silent about it. They, they, if we don't talk about it, it goes away. As opposed right. to the willful, and that's why Rex's owner is an alcoholic because he can't bear that—pun intended—burden. Right. Genius. I mean,
1: because what else? What else could it be? I mean, you've got up to this point, we've had goblins, we've had all kinds of mystical creatures coming through. We've had a warlock with with golems coming through. There's got to be something. I mean, yeah. people have had multiple animals disappear. I, I don't know what the body count is at this point. I'm I'm I know we're not to like stormtrooper levels, but we're definitely we're at red the, shirt level.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're
1: at red shirt level. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, and so Divna, something had to have given. Dymna even lost children. There's the whole there's the whole issue where they go help her dig up, find her dead children, right. The, Richard, uh, the the familiar's cat. How am I saying? Am oh, I saying? That?
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the uh, Sarah Diler, Uh What yeah. the cat dragged
0: in. What the cat dragged in. Those were her kids. Yeah. That was a, That was a. That was awful. I was like, yeah. son of a bitch. That's how that ended. I did not see that coming necessarily. You know. And I and think was... you
1: like setting the stage here a little bit. So what the cat dragged in is a story with orphan the getaway kid and dimfina
0: Dimfina. thanks for saying it because i've been saying it wrong the whole time (laughs) it's okay
1: hell i might not be even saying it right well that's what it is from now on yep but uh orphan and getaway kid have been following dimfina because she's been hiding away and sneaking out at night and they're worried about her so they follow her and she's finally like okay but some secrets should stay hidden and she tries to warn them away, but they don't. So they follow her to her owner's house. And everything is in disarray. Um, you know, she finds out that because of her hatred towards the dogs, our heroes of, of Burden Hill, when the whole thing with her coven went down, because of everything that happened, she tried to kill them before the zombie dogs. She tried to bring in a, almost a demonesque monster to kill them and fueled it with her hate and her rage and by doing so she trapped not only the rest of her familiar coven inside the house but by doing so trapped her kids and this demon who lives off of suffering took that out on not only the cats that are there but also on Demphina's children and you don't realize that they're her kids until they They get out of the house and they're like you know she's she's sobbing she's like you know i'm so sorry and she's like they're like it's okay you stopped it you stopped the pain and they were like goodbye mother and you're just like this is another one of those like this is the dog and his boy every one of these collections that features jill thompson and sarah has a say in absolute heart-wrenching i mean have tissues because they're hard they're hard to read they're very visceral. Evan does not care about your feelings.
0: <laughs> well, but that's, no, I think he does because he. here's what I think. I think, um, to use a different Joss Whedon series, in Firefly the movie, spoiler die. alert, two of our heroes die. Two of our crew yep. of the Serenity die. And I actually saw something uh, where Alan Tudyk said, he went somewhere. And he was at his con or something and somebody wanted him to sign something. So they came up. So he wrote, you know, I'm a leaf on the wind. And she started sobbing uncontrollably. And he's like, I'm right here. Look, I'm, I'm standing here. I'm alive. But to her, it didn't matter that, you know, Wash died. And so she could never get over it. And What I think what, what Joss did and what I think Evan does is the same thing is they do care about your feelings and they're, they're testing you to make, not, you know, like to make sure you care. If, if, it, if you read this whole book and you weren't moved a little, that means- What's that wrong he, with you? Right. Well, <laughs> maybe that's it. But also, like, he does care about your feelings because he's letting you know that it's okay to care about things. Like you said, these aren't real characters and you were crying and you had to put it down. But that's what good writing does. Good writing makes you laugh. Good writing makes you cry. Good art does that. And so what do you think- It been, you. Right, and I think, so I think he does care about your feelings because he's reminding you to have some. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he deliberately, this is not Scooby-Doo. This is It, it is not Scooby-Doo. And you mentioned um, the supernatural, like the show Supernatural. Now, I've only seen bits and pieces of that. My kids watched it, you know, religiously. And I know it's kind of one of those late to the party. It's 15 years later and I've not started. So whatever. But I know from what I know from my children, like they die a lot and there's no stakes anymore. Right? And on uh, Comics in Motion, they just recently did the original OG Transformers animated show. Yeah. and The animated movie. And you remember in that one, Optimus Prime dies in, like, 15 minutes in. And that was, like, for real. But now, it's like, well, in every movie, the shitty Michael Bay movies, Optimus Prime dies every time. So you don't it's care. They a the
1: trope. It's lost its resonance. And that's something that this one keeps. Like, it, right. It
0: doesn't do oh. that. Because it's not... The, the, while we talk about there being red shirts and a high body count, there's also, those characters aren't just red shirts. They don't just, they aren't nameless, ensign, whatever. You get to know them before they die. And in this one, those those kittens, you didn't mind. Oh my mean, God. I mean, you know, it's just tough. And so So I think he does care about us by making us remind that it's okay to feel things. It's okay to be invested in art and... Um, sometimes you need a sad story. That's okay. Like sometimes you just need to get that out. You need to be upset about something because it, it, even though it's a story about animals, it keeps you connected to your humanity a little. I don't know. That's what I think.
1: I think it should. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this one, oh, this one was so bad. (laughs) That one's tough, right? This one was so tough. Yeah. And and the humor,
0: but he still did the humor by going to get the raccoon
1: yes but you know what even even the humor with the raccoon there's a moment at the end because you meet hoke earlier because he's just this sassy little raccoon yeah and you know his mom's like well you're gonna go help them because it's not they do so so much for us it's little to ask you i don't think mama raccoon knew what she was getting herself no out. of
0: course not she didn't know it was going to be that kind of thing yeah the Ooh. dogs weren't there so it was just because it was just orphan. So, you know, it's, well, it's just the cats involved. It's probably not. Super right.
1: Bad. You'll be fine. You'll be, You'll be fine.
0: Because he's just the watch cat. He's right. So he, yeah, but, yeah, I mean,
1: the end of that was really, really hard for me, too, because you see this sassy little squirrel or not squirrel, sassy little raccoon come back to his mom while she's singing, singing the song.
0: And oh, they curl up together
1: because he's scared. And, and of he, course helps you're bury, scared. he
0: helps bury the bones. Yeah. Out of respect, yeah. Because he doesn't want to go, and he's like, I'm not helping you guys, and I'm not doing any of this. And then, and there's a scene, and th- what that was an excellent callback to is early, maybe even in the first or second issue of Animal Rights, there's a thing where they have to dig a hole, dig dig a hole, or maybe an even, and Orphan's like, I'm not digging. Cats don't dig. But then, you know, he does it. You're right. You know, and so then there was that. It was like a callback to that when they all, just out of respect, dig the thing. And there's lots of dirt in this. There's lots of burials um, yeah. and rituals. Um, what do you make of that? Do you think that that is, because um, we see in the Hellboy one, the Amish are burying, you know, there's lots of dead dogs, and dead, there's lots of bones being torn up, the, the witch rituals. Um, there's things that happen under the earth. So it's a very earthy book, literal earth. W- what do you make of that? Um, what is the symbolism there, do you think?
1: When it comes to them, not only with the, the different religions that they have going into this one, but the dogs themselves, I mean, I really think that they are more of an, of an Indian religion where they are holy, that they know great, that they're
0: going to go great back dog into in the heaven. ground. Yeah, they say great dog in heaven.
1: Right. Yeah, and yeah. they wait for the black dog, the lady dog of death to come get them. I mean, they are, they know why they're there. They're there to live their life and then they die and they go back into the earth and they they help other other life grow and i mean that's something that's that's throughout the series you get it not only from the dogs but the warlocks have the same the same thing going on when they have the skull golems we have you know the cats not so much (laughs) they follow a more egyptian goddess of course which doesn't go well it doesn't
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: but I mean, there's a lot that's in here, and it's a lot of research that had to go into it. And I think that that's why I throw Supernatural under the bus with this one, because that's what that series is about. It's about all of the different supernatural elements that happen, and it's not just the ones that you or I are used to hearing about. It's ones that you have to go back into myths and legends from around the world to understand. Yeah. I think that Evan and Jill did a good job of, of doing that with the rituals, with, you know, everything being close to underground with the animal animals not all being one happy hunky dory party because you see that the dogs and the cats start to bond and to work together but then the rats and the crows they start to do the same thing but they're not doing it for a good purpose they're doing it because they're tired of being looked down upon so that's why i say yes there's only three three series of this so far but it hasn't had a proper ending yet. And I'm excited to see where the climax is gonna be because we aren't even there yet. There hasn't even right. been the climax.
0: Yeah, because we're only doing the first two parts. The third trade is out that came out last year, as you said, and, uh, and I wise assume,
1: dogs and eldric men.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because this that digs deep into the you know the That one yeah, doesn't
1: sh- feature Burden Hill at all.
0: Right. It's the wise, it's the mythology behind it.
1: It it, it features the elder wise dogs that you've gotten to see. And then also it features uh, the men. It, it features the companions. So that, that way you can see where they came from and what's leading to the next one in Burden Hill.
0: And I think that's smart. I think it's good. You know, it's like a, um, I don't know what, so when I was a kid, when I was in kindergarten, I read The Chronicles of Vernia. Oh um, yes. Was a, C.S. Okay. Lewis. Yes. So. As man, The version, right, but the version that I read the, um, the Magician's Nephew was the third book. First one. It's the original publishing was the third.
1: Well, they're a bunch of liars. No, the no,
0: book. no, it is now. Oh. After, so later in his life, C.S. Lewis reprinted it, with that being the first book. The way I read it was, Lion, the Witch, of the Wardrobe, Horse and His Boy. Actually, no, you know what? It was Lion, the Witch, of the Wardrobe, Horse and His Boy, Caspian uh, Caspian, then that, then The Magician's Nephew, then Dawn Treater, then Silver Chair, then Last Battle. So like right in the middle, the fourth book was when you finally learned how Narnia came to be. And yeah. for me, as a six, five and a six-year-old, I didn't give a shit. Like it was okay for me. I just opened Narnia. I'm, I'm with the Pensieve's children going in for the first time. So I right. just get to believe it. And then you can explain it to me later. And I'm okay with that. And I understand it's been redone for chronological purpose, and I was told so now. Caspian and Don Trader are back to back instead of having that gap right. in between them. But it was also kind of like, you know, he allowed time to pass because Caspian's a different age and Don Trader. But, but the reason I the reason I bring all that up is this: that I think um, I think that's what Evan did, right? It's the same thing. It's like I'm going to give you this world, and you just have to know about it. And now I'll get to tell you about it, why it exists. And he's gonna get you invested. So I feel like if you're gonna do the backstory first and then jump to the present with the with Burden Hill, I don't know that it has the same resonance as telling it Right. Out you know what I mean? Like,
1: I don't- Well, I, because you wouldn't have even been able to meet some of these elder dogs without
0: reading the Burden Hill first. Sure, that's right. That's right, but that's totally true. So I just think it's, but I just think it's smart. I, I'd rather hear the background story. Like, I don't need everything, like, um. I was, we were just talking about this recently on a different show, but like the 2000, like we were talking about the difference between the 2003 Hulk and the 2008 Hulk. And that intro in the 2008 Hulk is like the best setup for, so if people didn't watch the 2003 Hulk, which I think they should, I like that movie. I'm in the minority. I know. But the 2008 Hulk, there is no origin story. It's all newspaper clippings at the beginning of the movie. Right. And he's just the Hulk. And at no point do we have to go back through it. It's kind of like, Spider-Man Far From Home, or Spider-Man um, Homecoming. We don't see unc- Uncle Ben get killed again, right? We don't right. see Peter get bitten. There's a moment where he's talking to his buddy and he's like, yeah, yeah, I got bit by a spider. And that's it, because we know, we don't need to see Thomas and Martha gunned down again, right? Right. That mythology exists. So I appreciate the, I, the idea of just dropping us in in the middle of a story, Uh, which is what they do. And
1: I like that too, because I'm going to be on your side on this one because I like when they realize in the industry that they can absolutely respect the intelligence level of their consumers. Correct. You have done the beginning to death. And honestly, it's time to get to the point where if you don't know the
0: beginning, do your research. Yeah. There's plenty of ways to do it. Yeah, and with this, with Beasts of Burden, you don't need to know, like an opening book, opening of the book, they're howling. They're doing yeah. a call for one of the wise dogs. And they just, there's like one little bit of exposition, like, well, why isn't he here yet? He should come by now. And they're stressed out about it. So we know on page three, if the dogs get together and howl, that means they're in trouble and that's their call for the wise dog to come. The, that's it, okay, I'm with you. I don't know anything more than I need to know, but I know everything about this universe in four pages and i just loved like you said evan respected us as an audience to say you'll catch on and if you don't this book probably isn't for you right that's okay and that's okay too
1: right i mean don't get me wrong even in because i when i went through and did my notes for this one um i went through and read not only the first and the second but i went through and, and went ahead and read wise dogs and eldritch men just to get it out of the way because it's one of those where if i've started one and two i need to read three sure of course um and sadly, three doesn't have Jill. Jill is not right, a part yeah, of, of the yeah. third. It's just uh, Evan and Benjamin Dewey who, who, are, who are doing the art and the writing. And you can tell, like it's an immediate, you can tell the difference in the, in the feel and atmosphere, but it works because this one has nothing to do. Right, it's a different story. Burden Hill. I mean, yes, Burden Hill is mentioned and yes, you see familiar faces that you wouldn't know if you hadn't read Burden Hill and, and Neighborhood Watch but it's different. So for me and you to do just Animal Rights and Neighborhood Watch is perfect because these to me tell you what you need to know with Burden Hill, which is the main focus of the story.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's totally true. And before we, before we end, let's talk about our favorites. So um, my favorite is Orphan and your favorite is Ace. So yep. you're the guest. So I'm gonna go first so you can go longer and I'm just gonna just, here's my Tell me reason. about orphan. Here's the thing, I like cats, okay? I am a cat person, not a dog person. I don't own pets, but if, if I had to have a pet, I would 100% own a cat because I'm a pretty insular person. I work from home, pre-pandemic, I work from home. When I made the move from teaching, I'm a university professor, right? So I've been doing that for 26 years. So. Seven years ago, I had the opportunity to go totally online. And I had been teaching online, you know, for like 10 years on and off, but I would always physically still be on ground. I'd have an office somewhere and I'd go teach at a, at a university or I wouldn't have an office I'd be teaching out of my car or whatever. But I'd go, I would be physically in a classroom and occasionally I would teach an online course. But I would do it for a university where I was kind of splitting the bill. So when this opportunity came, I jumped at it. And, and it's because I'm really, really content be by my, I, am a, I can be capricious in nature, and I am, <laughs> so I believe that the ability to go in your room and close your door, or to just sit on your couch and stare out your window, or not get up from, from the couch all afternoon on a Saturday with, a, you know, you've got a book on your lap and you read it from cover to cover, um, or just watching the fish jump on the river, you know, like I can look and there's manatees, and just sit and look at things right and that makes me really happy and i don't need to always i'm I'm jittery and i fidget a lot but i don't always need to be like on the go i'm not so the reason that's why i'm a cat person and there's just the one true cat and i think what what they do with orphan is is they give orphan the person like the it's a stereotypical cat personality But he's also like reluctantly comes along. He like isn't dumb either. He's not like such a dick that he never goes along. He becomes part of the team. He's the watch cat. He cares. And he's always kind of like in the back of his mind and sometimes out of his mouth. He's like, you guys would be screwed without me. So I'm going to come along. And so I just kind of love that nature. Like I just, I relate to cats more. Like I'm going to come help you because I don't want you to, you know, I don't want you to die. But just know that that's my choice. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. So I just relate to that kind of thing. So that's why I like our Plus, I just think they do a great job. Um, Jill does an excellent job with his facial expressions. And just the way that she draws him moving, um, I think she, like, I think the way she draws pugs, and I know pugs is her creation too, so there's probably more too, but they're, they're the ones that feel like the most 100% real of how animals would move. Animals of that size, the way that yeah. a pug moves is really great. So that's why, so I will, now, A, you said you're a big fan of Ace and Rex but Ace is yeah. your favorite. So wax poetic about any and all.
1: Uh, Ace. Ace is a Husky. And I have a cinnamon Husky named Chewbacca. Great name. So <laughs> it was almost an immediate, oh, you're the Husky. But Ace is your traditional superhero dog. He is not necessarily the leader, but he kind of is. He jumps into any... Any and all situations where he has to protect people. And he does it without fear. He does it without prejudice. He does it without thinking. He just does it. He does what he thinks is right. And I love that about his character. Ace has some decent owners. He really does. I mean, you don't get to meet them, but the fact that after he gets hurt so bad in the boy and his dog, no spoilers, um, his, his owners keep him
0: inside. And they do. And him up to they really, and- yeah, yeah, they let him.
1: They let him heal. Yeah, they try to keep him safe. Now, granted, Ace isn't about that life, and we see not only does he break his chain, but he's changed after the boy and his dog. He becomes a completely different, different type of dog, and just that. That and Rex. I'm gonna go over to Rex because yeah. I love Rex too. Rex, he's our Doberman. Yes, he is our adorable. He's so adorable. Rex is the the big chicken. In the he runs away in
0: the first couple. He does, all the time. yeah, yeah. He's like,
1: "Fuck this! I'm out." Yeah. <laughs> but him and Orphan develop this special bond, and it's because Orphan has called out the dog several times on why aren't you more grateful that you have a home? You know, it, this isn't a choice for me.
0: This is this is
1: my life.
0: I'm yeah, am not out here. right because Orphan is called the Orphan, not just that's not right. his name, but he is one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a stray cat who has never had a home yeah. and in this lifetime. He makes right. sure to clarify that in this lifetime. Right. But him and Rex developed this special bond because Rex does have a home. Rex does have an owner that we get to meet.
0: An abusive owner. The
1: owner is horrible to him. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to say that because Rex's owner is really just concerned about his dog. He's like, why do you keep leaving? Like, why, why do I have to come hunt you down? which as a pet owner, I can be like, okay, you know what, on that stance, I can understand. But it turns to abusive. And you see that Rex's home life isn't really all that it's meant to be. And that just builds up his character even more because you feel sorry for him. Because here he is being the hero, you only see him out with Orphan. They work together as a pair. And they do that so well with all of these characters. But for me, Ace and Rex are the two favorites. And of course, Orphan is an automatic adorable.
0: Yeah. I'm a big fan. I just, I just, I'm a fan. That's awesome. I think that's good. And you know, and then the supporting cast, Whitey, Pugs, obviously we've talked about. So Whitey and Jack are the terrier and the beagle, and they are really, um, they carry forth the personalities of those animals really well. Um, Yeah. uh, I love
1: Pugs. He has some really great lines where he's like, damn these short legs.
0: Oh, I know. Really. And you know, he does a lot of butt scooching. Yes. Uh, yeah, so there's like really funny, and those are just like like little nice touches that Jill throws in there, and sometimes they're just in the background. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's good. Um, so the final question I have before you tell everybody in the universe how they can find you and where they should follow you online and all of, read all your goodies. The last question is always, if you have to um, give this book to someone, you're going to recommend this book to either an individual or a type of person, who do you think should read Beasts of Burden and why? Who's it for?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, you said it best. There's really no singular way to qualify this one. But if I were to recommend it, I would recommend it to anyone. Anyone who likes a good story. Anyone who's a fan of collections and who doesn't necessarily want to go through an entire full-length story in one go. These are anywhere between five to ten-page stories. They're short. You can step away, come back. I mean, if you're a horror fan, if you're a Buffy fan, if you're sci-fi, if you're thriller, if you're an animal lover, bring tissues. I mean, <laughs> it's really, it really is a book that touches so many genres. There's not one way to, cl- to classify it. But if you're a fan of any of the things that either myself or you have brought up today, this is the series for you. And it is something that I would recommend and do not miss. This one yeah. before I read it, I, I this one immediately jumped into my top five books of all time, immediately wow. because this one is so impactful. The writing it deserved every award it got, every one, and there's a reason.
0: Yeah, so, and the Eisners, and this is the thing. I was talking to Josh Dysart, and he said, oh, "I don't even get nominated for Eisners anymore," which is a shame. But the point that he makes is pretty valid. The intri- you know, that you do see that, but they'll be like in a year, like three or four years in a row, the same people get nominated and they just don't again, even though their work hasn't gone down. This series got its first nomination in 2003 and its most recent one in 2017. Yeah. That, and there's only, what, 15, 16 issues of this. So there, it's a labor of love, again, because Jill is painting things. It takes a little bit longer. I'm sure Evan has more stories than she can get done. But it's also, but that's okay. I, I appreciate, I'd rather that you wait it out and get something good. Um, right so yeah think about that think about the quality what that says about quality that if you get your first eisner nomination in 2003 you get most recent eisner nomination to 2017 that is a that is a testament and it's the same team pretty much the whole way so that's a testament to the quality and like you said how it how it is affecting people in a real way this is definitely a quality over quantity series Yes, each
1: of the books are only made up with anywhere between three and four issues, like full comic yeah. issues apiece.
0: Yeah, I mean the and whole like the tr- that impactful. Yeah, the trade's like 180 pages, and half of like the last 20 is just Jill sketches. So yeah. it's not even you know. So so it's like 160, and that's for a trade. You're usually getting 250 300 pages in the trade, but it's it's worth your money. Uh, it's worth your it time. Is. Absolutely, for sure. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate you recommended this. And it was a great choice, and everybody should get out and read it. And I think we did actually—I'm really surprised at how little spoilers we did. So even if people haven't read *East of Burden, I think we didn't give too much away, but we definitely talked about what it means and why it's important and um, did what I love to do on this show is take a deep dive. So um, if you could please—and I will link to everything in the show notes, of course, and there will have already been a trailer for Mad Love that everybody heard— uh, tell everybody where they can find you around the interwebs and where they can read your stuff. Oh gosh.
1: Um, there is so much that I do on the interwebs. Um, I, I can be found at Twitter um, at devour all words.
0: Love, I that. Can be found- Love that name by the way.
1: <laughs> but that's what I do.
0: Yeah. So, so good. Yeah.
1: But uh, I can be found on Twitter. I can be found on Facebook as Kendra Hale um dark night news i write and review news pieces i can be found on the dcn podcasts um i also write for gothic bite magazine and i do more gothic or horror for that same thing with ladies of horror um i mean really just put my name into google you will find a bajillion things and most of them will be me
0: that's awesome <laughs> right and so i will link to as many of those things as i can and um, I appreciate you being on. This was such a good time. and we'll,
1: I appreciate coming on. This was we'll, we'll, so much fun. You've had
0: a couple of choices. So we'll talk off air. We'll talk and we'll figure out another time for you to come back down the yes. line and talk to different books. Sin
1: City, yes.
0: Well, so I'm doing a roundtable for Sin City. So I know. Yeah. So you're definitely coming for that. I'm going to get like five or 10 minute clips from everybody who's been on the show who's willing to say, because you know, not everybody's read, Sin City's so big, that not everybody's read it all. But like, oh, I read Dame to Kill For, or I read this one, or I read that one. So the hope is, is like, you know, if I just be like, hey, what's your favorite Sin City? And you just talk for three or four minutes, and I'll just place it all together. That's what I'm going to, that's what I think I'm going to do. So you'll be back on the 50th episode. People will hear your voice on Sin, on what we'll do with Sin City for sure. I so, think i got to pick a favorite. That's
1: going to
0: suck. Well, you just, you not even pick a favorite, like just an overarching, because you know, like what does Sin City mean to you and all that stuff. So people will have that to look forward to, because this, That'll only be, I think by the time this one comes out, that'll be not that far in the future. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 40 with this with the episodes. So we're getting, close, we're getting close to 50. So um, while well, I appreciate everybody listening, please um, rate and uh, review Comics and Motion feed, listen to everybody else's show, give us stars, get us out there, spread word around. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at TricycleBoomBox, or you can go to my website, arforina.com and you can email me there if you're not on Twitter. And, you know, I have links to all my stuff, too. So I feel like the only way that we can go out is with the second greatest rock band of all time, the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Beast of Burden.